Wow, you guys are sounding mighty wonderful up there between the bells and the organ and the flute. Thank you. Thank you all for your uh, worship celebration here this morning. Well, last fall, Janie, my wife, uh, gave me an old Ann Landers advice column. Does it look old? It is. This particular piece is about 30 years old. And Janie had it taped up on the inside of her cupboard for years. And uh, you can read it real well there, right? Well, because I know you can't, I asked uh, Carol in the office to print it up. So the pink sheet that you have is the same thing, and you can take that with you. And uh, you can follow along with it this morning, but also then look through them later on. Well, the reason why I brought this and the reason why Janie made an impact on us is... Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I looked at that, and it was entitled Rules for Being Human. Not rules for human beings, but rules for being human. Okay, I thought 30 years ago. I googled online to find out who originated it. And I discovered they don't know for sure. Some feel that it's from the ancient Sanskrit wisdom literature. Others uh, talk about uh, a book I came across, a best-selling book by Sherry Carter Scott, which is entitled, If Life is a Game. It also has this list of rules printed out. Regardless where they came from, I wanted to, to share with you this morning and see how they fit into our lives today in, the, in this world in which we live. I want to be a human being. It kind of goes without saying, you think. Well, I couldn't help but think as I read through these, you know, they sound awfully familiar. And I had to wonder, did the author come up with these ideas on his or her own? Or did he merely expand upon what he found in other documents and writings? Perhaps the Bible? Well, as we go through this and as you look at it later, we'll see what you think. You can let me know later. So let's take a look at some of these and see what we can glean. The first one, you will receive a body. You got yours? How did it go this morning? Clean and spiffy? Yeah, looks good. I think we're all in agreement on this one. You will receive a body. I got mine, you got yours. Now, when we're young, we can do all sorts of things that might stress and or abuse our bodies, right? It might be sports, perhaps a certain sporting event that goes on at 3.40 this afternoon in downtown Minneapolis. Just saying, mind you. Then certain good teams, or no, and that's not a good thing this year. Other teams are not going to be there. Just to let you know, I'm going to say it up front, I'm going to be pulling for the Vikings. <laughs> no. <laughs> this time, this time. We'll see if they uh, go ahead. Uh, I think we're proud of them there. But uh, we, we, you think their bodies are going to get stressed this afternoon? Absolutely. Maybe it might be at work or, or simply horsing around when we're younger. Sometimes we overindulge with too much food or drink or the like. Again, probably like this afternoon is going to be in many parts here of the Twin Cities. Uh, when we're young, our, our bodies will most likely bounce back pretty quickly. It's the most wonderful thing to be young. But the body also has a memory, my friends. And my observation is that my body remembers and repays for the care or neglect of the present time, starting about 15 years down the road. Now, I, I used to be able to do all, a lot more stuff 15 years ago, 25, 50 years ago than I can do now. And when I was in my 20s and 30s, I thought I was invincible. 
And then in my 40s and 50s, I started to realize, you know, I can't quite do as much as I used to be able to do. And then in my 60s and now in my 70s, I've come to understand I have three grown children. I have two strong sons-in-law. I have seven, eight energetic grandchildren that I've come to a conclusion about these that God has put these wonderful offspring in my life for a purpose. You know what that purpose is? To do those things for me that I either can't or most likely don't want to do anymore. Okay? Punchline? Take care of your bodies at all stages of life. You may like your body, you may not like it, but your body will be yours for as long as you live. And now here's how the Bible stated rule number one. It's from 1 Corinthians 6. Your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Okay. So how you take care of or fail to take care of it can make an enormous difference in the quality of your life. Rules two through six, I've kind of lumped these together. In part, you don't want to be here until 12.30 this morning. So we kind of lump these together because they fit under the category, rules two through six, of you will learn life's lesson. You will. And these next five rules, they kind of focus on a similar theme, and that is gaining knowledge and even wisdom from what happens during your life. You know, every one of us here are enrolled in a full-time school. You know what school you're part of? It's the University of Life. You're in a life school. And each day, you're going to be presented with opportunities to learn what you need to know. And there is no stage of life that does not contain some lessons. The truth is, you can learn as much from failures as you can from success. So, so don't be afraid to try something new or different. So let me ask you this. What, what kind of student are you? Do you learn the easy way or do you learn the hard way? Hmm. Do you catch on quickly or do you have to be dragged ahead? Well, I've learned about myself that I'm probably a mixture of both methods. And one of the deeper truths that I've come to understand about learning is this. Now that I know the answers to many of life's deep questions, no one asks me. You there? Well, fortunately, every experience, whether good or bad, ends up teaching you something that you can use going forward. I found a great prayer from the Old Testament of the Bible, Psalm 119, verses 34 through 40. And it's all about learning. Now, scholars aren't quite sure of the original author of this biblical section. Now, there's a lot of different biblical guys there at the time. But many feel it was the Jewish priest Ezra, you know, one of your favorite authors, right? Uh, well, Ezra, he was a priest who lived about 450 B.C. So that's about, what, 20, 2,400, 2,500 years ago? Well, whoever wrote this section in the book of Psalms, I think captured the essence of what our attitude towards learning should be. Here's what Ezra or whoever wrote it actually said. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. 
my whole life long be obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Give me an appetite for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets. Invigorate me on the pilgrim way. Affirm your promises to me, promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of my critics, but what you say is always so good. See how hungry I am for your counsel? Preserve my life through your righteous ways. Boy, I think that writer really nailed it. Pretty good prayer. Go look it up yourself if you want to. Okay, let's get on with rule number seven. That's this. Rule seven for being human. Others are merely mirrors of you. And what that means is we can't love or hate something about another person unless it reflects something about love or hate about ourselves, our, our value systems, our choices that we make. Whew. This one kind of strikes pretty close to home, I think. Because it asks us to turn the focus back on ourselves and self-examination of our hearts. And what that means is, rather than pointing the finger at others to blame them and find fault for what's going on in your life, you know, it's their fault. They made me do it. It's all about them. Couldn't possibly be me. Remember the old childhood saying about pointing a finger? I'm guessing your parents did that. Do you remember it? When you point one finger at someone, what? You got three others pointing back at yourself. I think that's kind of the point of that little... Uh, section here, Rule 7. Because it is so easy to find fault with others, isn't it? Because they do such screwy things, and I sure don't do those kind of screwy things. But the key to being the best human you can be begins by humble and honest self-examination. You know, one will never come to the place where he has his act or her act so totally together that we won't need to self-examine and perhaps correct. Okay, folks, let's move on on our countdown for rules for being human. Here's rule number eight. What we make of ourselves, of our life, is up to us. You see, my friends, you have all the tools and resources you need. You do. Oh, I know, we always want a few more, and the ones we have aren't as sharp as they should be. We've got all kinds of things going on. But you really do have the tools and resources you need. Not necessarily what you want, but you got them. So that means through focused self-goal setting and unflagging effort, very likely you can have anything you set your mind to if you keep at it. You got the tools. But what that means and requires is persistence. Persistence is the key to success. In fact, St. Paul made this fact extremely clear to the folks living in ancient Rome some 2,000 years ago. And for us today, here's what he told them. It applies to you and me. You're not getting by with anything. Mm. Every refusal and avoidance of God adds fuel to the fire. The day's coming when it's going to blaze hot and high. God's fiery and righteous judgment, make no mistake, in the end, you get what's coming to you. Real life for those who work on God's side, but to those who insist on getting their own way and take the path of least resistance, fire. Oh, ouch, ouch. Ouch. God doesn't pull punches, does he? Well, my paraphrase of this verse, and I use it quite often, is this. I told my kids growing up, and I tell the folks around me, and I tell myself that too. 
You don't get away with nothing, at least not in the long run. So wouldn't you rather have the folks who know you best say about you, as Jesus said about the folks in the congregation in Ephesus, Paul told them, you know, I see what you've done. Your hard work, your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out apostolic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause that you never wear out. Yeah, I mean, that's what I want. How about you? Now, of course, if you're anything like me, you're probably be a bit nervous or even scared to do the right things. You see, our, our current politically correct culture and mindset, which surrounds us today, makes it very easy to follow, or doesn't make it very easy to follow godly standards, does it? For example, we read that God says, marriage is to be only between one man and one woman. The world is insisting today, anything goes in life, if it feels right for you, then it's okay, do it. God's standards tell us what? Keep sexual relationship between men with women and women with men. Okay, what's the world say? Anything goes in life, if you feel it's right for you, then it's okay. Do it. Wow, some conflicts, right? Well, God is saying, cherish and value all human life, beings from conception to the final breath of the most aged person. The world insists anything goes in life. If you feel it's right for you, then it's okay. Do it. You see some conflicts in our world? Just in case you didn't know that. I mean, these once traditional values and, and standards that were pretty well accepted are under attack all around us, aren't they? In fact, it's sadly becoming more common to hear and read about folks who hold and speak in favor of godly values, traditional values, to be vilified and called out as, 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 what's the words, haters, bigots? Well, my nervous, scared, and yet want to be faithful and strong friends. Here it is. Do them anyway. Do them anyway. You see, courageous isn't the same thing as not feeling any fear. Oh man, I, I don't like being on the out. Not that I'm not afraid, but to develop courage, you do the right thing. And what's that? The godly thing. Even if you feel afraid. In other words, push your envelope and build your confidence and courage. Practice. And I know I can't do that courage thing alone, can you? I don't think so. I mean, I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough knowledge. I sure don't have enough wisdom to simply will myself into a better place. So to make it happen in my life and in yours, we need what God alone can provide. And what is that? His power and his love. In fact, we know God is love. Notice this section. It says God is love. This is from 1 John 4. It doesn't say God loves, which he does, but it says he is love. Hmm. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. There's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. 
You want to know who was the perfect role model for us to learn about this powerful love? I suspect you have a pretty good idea. But St. Paul spells it out for us just in case. He said this, said this in Philippians 2. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Here's the role model part. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, took on the status of slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, crucifixion. See if you agree with this. People do strange things when they are in love, don't they? <sighs> well, you know, God did too. He did some strange things. And you know the strangest thing that God ever did? Jesus. I mean, that's strange when you really think about it. Jesus set aside the glory and wonder of heaven to come down into the muck and mire of sinful man. I wouldn't want to do that. Kind of like a pure white unicorn purposefully jumping into and wallowing around in a stinky, yucky, slimy pond of stagnant water. Just so Jesus entered our world. Jesus willingly jumped headfirst into the stagnant pond of sinful humanity for one reason and one reason only. Love. No other possible explanation. Jesus swapped his very life in place of my life and yours. It doesn't make a bit of sense from an earthly perspective, does it? That's why we use that word faith so much when we're talking about Christianity. Because there's an awful lot of stuff I don't quite get fully. But nonetheless, God's evidence and his hopes and prayers and directions to us are there. Thankfully, God did it anyway, all because of he is love. Almost done. Number nine, the answers lie within you. You see, we have all the tools and resources we need. And what we create with those tools and resources, up to us. I mean, people can support you, and I sure hope they do. That's one of the reasons we come together week after week in a place like this, kind of to support each other. They can guide you. That's why we have teachers. That's why we have parents. They can train you. How do you do this? How do you do that? They can help you to work your way through. Other folks, however, can make your success difficult. They're kind of like crabs in a bucket, you know. They attempt to pull you back down to their level. So in the end... The decision is yours. Your responsibility as to the direction your life will take. Can't do the excuse thing. It's 100% up to you to make it happen. Let me give you several practical things that you and I can do to make that better life happen for us. Number one is gratitude. Gratitude, yeah. You see, gratitude helps in many ways. In fact, recent positive psychology studies have shown gratitude to be the single best means of increasing personal happiness. You want to be happy? Have gratitude. Be thankful. Say, thank you. Nice job. And these studies have found gratitude reduces stress, anxiety. It makes us healthier, happier. It makes people less self-centered. Regularly practicing gratitude simply makes us better in just about every way imaginable. 
makes life better by looking for the good in another person and telling himself. It's another tip. And my father used to stress over and over again to me as a little guy growing up in Miami, Florida, that if I wanted to get along with people, look for the good in them and tell them so. <laughs> he also said, you may have to hunt a bit to find it in some folks. <laughs> True. But it's worth it if you can build up someone who's living in a world and culture which seems to thrive on making a negative impact on people's lives. You see, you can make a difference. And finally, little tip, you can make a better life for yourself by cherishing what you have in life. So many times when you see what other folks possess and have achieved in their lives, and what happens? We become unhappy or even a bit bitter, perhaps, because how come I can't have that same thing? Well, my friends, letting that envy or, or coveting mindset gnaw at your insides can prevent you from seeing the good things that you do have. You know, most of our problems we would call first world problems here in the United States. What do we do with the excess stuff we have? We can end up wasting energy that you could otherwise direct yourself in working towards your success. Don't fall into that trap. Uh, had this card that was sent to me by someone here. This was sent to me on my birthday back in February. And I thought it was great. I've just been waiting for an opportunity to share it and haven't. But uh, this is one that I thought, talking about gratitude, uh, if you can't see it real well, it's Jesus standing on a rock. Uh, it's got 5,000 people in front of him. And he's holding up fish, uh, some fish and a loaf of bread. And he's saying, here's my gift to you. And the response is, I can't eat that. I'm a vegan. Has that fish been tested for mercury? Or is that bread gluten-free? I, I thought that was so hilarious because I'm afraid it reflects an awful lot of our attitudes in life. So we want to learn to appreciate all that we have now that we've been given. God has provided for us. Far too easy to get caught up in worrying about the future if you don't learn appreciation. Well, finally, my friend, here's rule number 10 for being human. Actually, I've substituted my own rule number 10 in place of the original. That's why you have 11 shown on your pink sheet. Rule number 10 that I'm using is you're in a battle every day, so choose your weapons carefully. Now, this final rule was taken from a devotion that Janie and I read in a devotional booklet entitled Mr. and Mrs., written by Rob and Joanna Teagan. Great little devotional book. And this particular devotion asserts that we're in a battle every day. And the battle he's talking about is powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil. They're bent on wrecking your souls, your family, your faith. No matter how invincible you feel, you can't win the fight on your own. Therefore, follow St. Paul's advice, which he says in Ephesians 6. Here it is. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We have to be careful of which weapons we choose to use to live our lives. Psychiatry can be helpful, but it can't give you a heart of love for your spouse. Financial success, I, I like that, but it won't insulate you from worry. All the bloggers and experts that you're watching and listening to, they're not going to soothe your child's nightmares. Politicians, there we go, can't guarantee the peace that they promise. Legalistic rules. It can't deliver us from temptation. So our best efforts to find wisdom and security and goodness are nothing without 
God's power. Remain in God and his power. Those weapons are powerful. And when you do remain strong and dependent on the Lord, the enemy will have a formidable foe that he'll never overcome. So there you have it. Ten rules for being human. God wants to empower you, my friends, to be all that he's created you to be. Let him. And enjoy being human. And I ask you to join me in a closing prayer. We're going to speak this together. So please stand and join me as we say these words together. Ready? Lord, we need your power and strength to stand against evil in these dark days. Be our source of truth, faith, and love. Amen. And amen.